Okay, y'all, welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. I am your host, Joanna Joe Smith, and this should actually be the precursor to what I believe the next step in our chronological journey is. We've been reading the Old Testament King James Version for like the last 12 episodes, and we're not gonna stop until this whole Bible gets read, until it all gets done, the assignment that's been placed on my life. Now, my baby is taking a nap and she doesn't sleep long, so if she wakes up during this podcast, you will hear her, <laughs> and I would pray that you bless her, bless her life, and uh, we will settle her in and keep going as best we can. All right, that's just a warning shot, you know, just so you guys know that my baby, she's sleeping. All right. Um, so right now we're in Genesis, but in our efforts to really understand the text that we're reading, um, we've been rerouted quite a few times in this process so far. And we've been connecting things that I know only the Holy Spirit could have done for us. There is nothing in my previous history or in any of my um, my biblical knowledge that would have made me go to the specific places we have jumped to, to learn what we have learned thus far. We give all glory to the Holy Spirit and to God for what we've been experiencing together in real time, right? As, as these things happen to me, uh, or with me, I am sharing them with you, uh, if God says so. So that's, what's been happening. All right. Um, so I give God the glory and if you're just joining this journey, then you need to know that we've already read the first 19 chapters of Genesis. And that's where we are currently at the time of this podcast. We have also read during this the entire book of Job, right? We've read chapter seven of the book of Judges. We have read chapters nine, uh, I mean, chapter nine, verses four and five of the book of Acts. That is a very important address in the Bible, chapter nine, uh, verses four and five of Acts. So please put that in your arsenal because that is where you have Jesus admitting that his name is the Lord one cap, meaning one capital letter in the name. So the capital L and then O-R-D is Jesus. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D is El Shaddai, part of the creation combination. All right. We know that. And how do we know that? We know that because we've also read the incomparable chapter 10 of Isaiah. That is the most vital chapter I have ever read in my life. And when we went over that, we learned some just riveting information, some ground shaking information uh, about our faith. And that chapter in combination with Acts Chapter nine, verses four and five are basically the defense um, for anyone who is doubting the very hard to digest truth that Jesus is not or was never supposed to be Lord over our life. Um, stick with me, y'all. I'm just here to give you the truth. And I know that the truth is sometimes hard to digest, but if you're listening to this podcast, I have prayed for you already. And I already know that you're sent here because God has a message of truth for you. And you're given an opportunity to be part of a remnant. Um, and that's not, not anything to play with. All right. So those are the chapters that we've read so far. All right. And the last episode that we talked about, we played with this theory, this, this idea that came up in my spirit 
that Miriam, who is Moses's big sister, could possibly be the Virgin Mary. And I know that, you know, we've been told that Mary and Miriam are far apart. And there's some things that are in the Bible that are, uh, that make this a little hard to digest, but there are things that are more important than the Bible besides the small details that could make this confusing. The big details that make them seem similar are probably all you really need. So if this is true, if Miriam is Mary, because Mary in Greek is Miriam and Miriam in Greek in English uh, from Greek is Mary, then this would make Miriam the mother of the Assyrian of Isaiah chapter 10, verse five, the rod of Isaiah chapter 11, verse one. She would be the rod's mother too. She would be the Lord one cap, Jesus of Acts chapter nine, verses four and five. She, she would be his mother too. Jesus as in Jesus, as in Jesus, right? possibly Michael, the archangel in the flesh, but I'm, I'm going to get to that. All right. Now y'all know, I don't come on here to talk when I don't have anything to say. So that's why last week just came and went, I was told to sit still in the spirit. And I did. And when I did that, what was happening was I began to feel a lot of things in my spirit about the message from two weeks ago. And just just in my heart, a lot of things had, had started to come up. And God was speaking to me, asking me to stop procrastinating and finally do the vision that he um, asked me for. He asked me to finalize a vision that I have for my version of success in this life, right? And as I write this, I'm realizing that right now, as I'm writing this, that the God we know who is Elohim, only asked me to do this so that my testimony would have assets and evidence. You understand what I'm saying? Assets and evidence. Okay. Let me make that more clear. God has been saying to my husband and I something similar to my favorite quote from Sun Tzu. If you guys read the art of war, I didn't, this was given to me, but I love this quote. And it says, um, imagine what I would do if I could do all that I can. You understand? So we are, we have boundless, endless capabilities. We won't all, we won't be able to get it all done. We can't do everything that that's possible for us to do because it's possible for us to do anything and everything. Right. But imagine if we could, if we could do all that we can, what we would shoot, choose to do. Right. One of the most powerful quotes I ever came across in my life. Um, and it's my favorite way to inspire myself. It's actually a quote that was given to me by my, my mommy's youngest child, whose name is literally Victor. So talk about a perfect gift from my little bro. But God has been asking me to essentially define my version of victory. And so I asked my husband, what will be, well, I asked my husband like to ask himself, what will be in place in the world for you to say to yourself that all you have touched was a success, right? And I have to ask that question to myself. So we began to like daydream and window shop and get on our Pinterest and start searching things and creating vision boards for our level of success in many different areas that we aspire um, to, to be present in, right? Um, 
And I'm going to be honest, it wasn't an easy assignment. That's why I said God had to tell me to stop procrastinating. Um, but I'm going to be honest, it made me nervous. And I'm going to tell you why. The truth is, you guys, um, I'm really happy. And I mean that. After everything that I went through in this past year and, you know, death coming for me and all of that, I really realized I, I'm very happy with the life that I have. It's a simple life, but I'm very happy with it. And so I was having a hard time trying to think of what would make me happier. You know what I mean? And then I realized that wasn't the question that I was asked to do for this assignment. Now, was it? It was like, God was like, but that's not what I asked you. I asked you to answer the question. Please stick to the question, please. <laughs> and the question is relative of my success. It's not of my happiness. I never said being successful would make me happy. And God never asked me to make myself happy through my success. He asked me what my definition of success would be, that I might feel accomplished, that I might feel fulfilled right? But you cannot be fulfilled and still be happy. And I don't think many people think that, right? All right. So after I thought of it that way, I was able to begin to accomplish this assignment. All right. And I went and made a vision board of my forever home first. All right. That is the one thing my husband and I want to give to our children. So I got on Pinterest and I house shopped like I had all the money, right? Because God got all the money, right? And I went and I, I looked around like it was already in the works. Like there was somebody who called me on the phone and needed my concepts in order to create the drafts. Like, what do you want? All right. And I, I had to do a really good job with this one, because everything that we do for God, we should do in, in our best to, to the, to the best of our capability. Right. And so I did that. And in order to convey these floor plans that I had in my mind, I had to make sure that what I wanted was easy to understand for this potential drafter. Right. So my husband, um, he had to have a pool table, for example, and we both wanted to have this big garden in the back that we can actually use a golf cart to go to and gather our groceries in. So. I got a picture of a golf, golf cart with groceries in it. I, I went and found a picture of a garden with lots of vegetables. I, I wanted a certain amount of bathrooms in the house. I wanted an in-house music studio for our music ministry. Um, it's so important to us. There was a, uh, we want a pool for exercise and a gym and um, a small basketball court on site. You know, we wanted a theater room for our 12 godchildren to entertain themselves in since movies are a really big thing for our family. We wanted a range stove in the kitchen as opposed to any other kind. And we really went off. I collected all the images. I downloaded them to my phone. Then I used the collage maker and I created a wallpaper for my computer. And when I tell you guys, it took me days of work. It took me days of work. And this was just one of the areas that I think would help me define success, right? So another area that I want to say I'm successful in is providing, um, well, that's one area, providing a home um, that I wouldn't want to leave, one that I can stay in just in case I couldn't leave that home. And it's a home that my children will be proud to inherit is my hope, right? But I had other areas that I wanted to 
get into and define my success in as well, like personal things and emotional things, professional things, and even my spiritual things. I, I wanted to define success for me. And I believe that was the assignment for, from God. So I'm still working on this because it's going to take me a second. It took me days to just do my wallpaper, right? So all of this God was requesting and he asked me to send him the specifics, send me the specs, Joe, of your level of success in your, in your, in your spirit, right? So it's going to take me a while to flush it all out. But if I speak of the professional and spiritual side of things, I have to define my level of success in black love smiths, for example, because it's a major part of what I want to see or what I want to base my spiritual triumphs in, our ministry triumphs, right? It mixes all of the things that matter to me with music. And therefore, it's a really high priority on my list in terms of what I focus on and in terms of success. So I put an image of my husband and I on the red carpet of the Stella Awards because we're a faith-based music duo. That would be um, one, of a, one of the high points of the ministry. And I also put us on the red carpet of the Grammys. And I put a little quote in those two pictures that I put together to highlight our purpose and our thoughts behind that moment, right? Because I don't want us to confuse ourselves and I don't want to confuse people who may see it because the assignment was to put it out, right? So we don't want a Grammy because we want the Grammy. We only want the Grammy if God wants a Grammy from us. All right. So I put our, I put us on that red carpet for the Grammys. And I said, you know, if God chooses us to get the Grammy, well, we know that it's only because God wants the Grammy. And so we'll give the Grammy to him. Right. And our quote for the Stella Awards image speaks about knowing what God has already brought us through so much. Like I said, I'm, I, I died this year just about. Right. Um, and all right. I'll be more honest. Sorry. I did die this year, but God kept me uh, and God brought me back. And, you know, that's a real win for us. Our triumphs and our testimony so far are a real win for us, right? Um, so we don't, we don't really want the, the stellar award for us, all right? And so I put that quote up there because that's also true. But I would feel successful in our music in industry, um, if I felt we could reach all of the spaces our sound could carry to. And having those, those award ceremonies um, kind of would help us know that we, could, that we have reached a, a wide range of people with our ministry. And success for me in that way is to, to give every person we could possibly touch a chance to meet the God we know and in the way that we know him through our testimony. So that would be success in my professional life, which is also spiritually um, a goal of mine. And then to spiritually reach everyone that is assigned to hear God through me and through us. But since we're talking from my perspective, you'd have to talk to my husband to get his. Um, anyone assigned to hear God through me would also be for me a successful moment if I had reached everyone that was assigned to me. So this is why I do this podcast. Um, and, and keeping up with this assignment, right? So I collected for that part of my life, you know, the professional side was the music thing. Now the spiritual side is this podcast, right? You already have the house goal for my family and legacy. Um, so for this one, for the podcast, I collected 
photos from three faith-based music artists. My husband and I, we really take an interest in these three people as just as people of God, right? And the first one is Molly Music. Molly Music um, has soundtracked it, has soundtracked um, my husband and I's relationship, our marriage. We, our wedding song is by Molly. So um, he's a big part of this testimony, but watching him in the music industry, um, I, I have a message for him on my heart I'd like to deliver. The same goes for Jonathan McReynolds. While he's not a part of our um our marriage ministry. He is a big part of our worship ministry. We love a lot of Jonathan McReynolds songs um, for the authenticity and the lyricism. And there's a message that I have for him too, that I think um, El Shaddai would like me to give him one day. And the last person, which um, is really important, this one has been on my heart very heavy, especially in the in the recent events that have happened concerning this person. Um, Ye West is like... I, I need I need to talk to Ye West. If you have any connection, anybody has any connection, I know there's six degrees of separation for everyone. If anybody has connection to Ye, I just have to deliver a few verses to him for his for his progression in the Lord. So let me know. All right. That's not for me. That's not even for music. That is for God. That is a spiritual assignment. So because I want to complete those assignments that God has given me and, and deliver those messages to those three people, um, I truly believe those three people are part of the Black Love Smith ministry success story. But I also believe that it's part of this podcast's purpose. So I put us all into a photo with the Book of Joe podcast logo on it. And I added the words, this Bible study though, right? Like this Bible study though, because I hope one day to share my relationship with God with each of those men and for them to even meet my husband and receive what our ministry has to offer them. All right. And you've seen probably all three of these images on the Book of Joe podcast on Instagram and on our Black Love Sense Facebook page this week. And um, in that post, I explained that I've been tasked to define multifaceted success for myself, which includes my family. So this task is essentially uh, um, a lot of what Christians talk down on lately. I've heard a lot of Christians in my timeline um, say things like to manifest is witchcraft. And that that kind of thinking throws me back because I was given a task by the most high God in my spirit. Right. Everything I'm talking about right now, it was in my spirit to do this assignment. And I was told to clarify my vision for all facets, multifaceted success in my life, right? And I was told to speak it over myself, to prophesy to myself. And when it came to pass, people will say, I declared and decreed it in authority for myself by El Shaddai. They will say, I prophesied the things that manifested in my life by the grace of God. And they may even want to call me a prophetess like Mary. I'm not, I'm not aspiring to that. I just want to be obedient, right? I mean, Miriam. I know I said Mary. <laughs> Miriam. They're the same to me, right? All right. So I have a question. How can a prophet be a prophet if his prophecies don't manifest? This is the Book of Joe, 
my book. Let's go deep inside where the sea People stop reading the Bible. Let's open up the Exodus 28 to 11. All around the world. They don't understand it. Glory to God. There are so many promises in this book. We gotta get back to telling the truth. John 16, 33. I'm told you sing so that you may have peace. Nah, I'm not a minister. <laughs> you can't hear it down your face. You gotta get your own. Young people just need to see it from a different perspective. God really is good all the time. God says, if he loves me, keep my commandments. I first ask myself, who's speaking? And then everything sounds different from there. But God does not lie. I'm Jill, and this is what I found in the Bible. How can prophets of God and manifestations only be of witchcraft? Where did that thought even come from? It's so wrong. Because God has called me to prophesy into fruition a Bible study to help Ye and Molly and J-Mac, right, of the gospel music industry that we are not to be a part of, which God was very clear about. We are not to sign a deal into this industry at all. And and just a sidebar, part of that is because um, this industry will then, every contract that you sign gives the industry the right to use your name, your likeness throughout the universe in all perpetuity. Just about every contract does that. And I've heard that from Dave Chappelle, but I also I also have been a part of it um, when I was a secular artist and I did have deals on the table and I did talk in discussion. That's what they want. They want to own essentially you. So when I came out as a secular artist and my name was Rain, Rain Raphael, um, and I had my music on iTunes and I had my music on CD Baby and, and it was doing what it was doing when I was doing music for the world. And I had a lot of opportunities come to me from that. And God had blessed me. He had moved me forward. My music was doing well for someone who was coming from the nothing that I came from. And um, I got to a point in my career where life hit me. I was, you know, I went through what I went through. My testimony is on blacklovesmith.com if you guys want to read it. And so I had to then come back to music realizing or discovering that someone else had copywritten my name. And I no longer could use Rain to do music. But I believe that that was God's way of, of killing that, that side of me too, or helping me to kill off that side of me so that I can accept and become who Joe is today. Glory to God. So you can't take Joe from me. That's my real name. But when we use our names as a brand, the, the contracts that we sign turn that brand into an entity. So that's why you see so many people change their name. That's why you see Kanye go from Kanye to Ye, Prince go to the artist. When you see um, Lauren Hill go to Miss Hill, they're trying to get back their life because their essence is contracted into the music industry. So God is very clear that we are never to do that. Myself and my husband, no matter what happens with Black Love Smiths, we are not to contractually sign into this industry under a music record deal. Mm -mm. That's not what we're going to do. All right. So. I got sidetracked, but I need to throw that out there. I'm sure to come back around <laughs> at some point. All right. So God has asked me to imagine and then proclaim a forever, right? A forever home for my family and a legacy, right? 
He, he told me to proclaim abundance for my finances, peace in my, in my soul, right? Love in my life for an endless, uh, endless marriage with my husband. Okay. Like forever. All right. He asked that I, or commanded really that I walk in authority towards whatever heights I can imagine in this brain of mine and to do whatever it takes to see those goals so clearly for myself. So clear, clear like someone can see the flags of a finish line when they're in a race. I need to be able to see my goals and my level of success definitions in my head as clear as day in order for him to, to help me achieve them. I got to be specific. All right. And after I had gone through all the details and after I understand all the details of what success is, is going to mean to me, I need to manifest those images through God by my faith and then call it a testimony for y'all, right? So the wallpaper on my computer and the red carpet inserts that you guys have seen um, and those Book of Joe assets, that Book of Joe photo that I, I have now with Molly and, and Jonathan McReynolds and Kanye West, those, or Ye West, I'm sorry, Kanye, Ye West, um, those images are me specifying to the God that I believe in who I believe can do it, right? By my faith, I put my money on it, right? Those are exhibits one through three of my obedience to God in a moment where these visions were created for fun, not out of longing, because like I said, I'm happy. I'm not coveting anything. I don't desire to be like anybody. I don't want things for, for gluttonous or personal gain or selfish gain. I want these things because I want to fulfill my 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 purpose. I want to live up to what God expects from me and whatever I can expect from myself. From what I've been called to do, I expect me to do in excellence, right? So by applying that type of mentality to the things God has asked me to do, I plan to achieve success. The success that I plan to achieve has to be defined in order for me to achieve it, right? Um, and then I realized that these assets that I created that I just described to you guys, these assets, they exist right now for the latter, for my later, right? As proof that God heard my dreams, the dreams that I just told you guys about, and that he blew my mind when it happens. When it happens, it's going to be far past anything I could have ever imagined or told you about or put into pictures. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. He may not want you to get into it right now, pray about it, but I know that that's what he wants, right? So they say to manifest is witchcraft. And I say, how else do you identify prophecy then? All right. The word manifest means readily perceived by the senses and especially by the sense of sight, right? So how do we know someone is prophesying? Welp, if they're prophesying, they are speaking to the things unseen that will readily be perceived by the senses and especially by the sense of sight. Okay, a prophet is is speaking things yet to be manifested, right? So what is it to prophesy? Three things. To prophesy is to speak. This is according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary. All right. <laughs> no pun intended with the Merriam. All right. But to prophesy is to speak as if divinely inspired, right? To give instruction in religious matters, right? See the word preach kind of thing. And the third one is the one that's really interesting for me. 
To prophesy, the third definition is to make a prediction. So to all of those in this church, uh, Christian organization who are offended by the term manifest as if it goes against God, y'all got to make it make sense. All right. Because you cannot really and truly know if someone or something is prophetic, if it doesn't manifest anything, right? It will just remain a simple prediction, in which case it'd be like talking out the side of your face, which really ain't of God, because that could just be seen as double mindedness or a lie ain't even close to what God is about, right? But if a prophecy is divinely inspired by the creator, it will, it shall, definitely will come to pass because God ain't finna sit around and play in your face all day, all right? He ain't finna lie, all right? So after this break, let's get into the Old Testament and to get into what we're gonna talk about today. I really just wanna bring this home for you guys using this King James Version, all right? Let's do it. I stand accused, they bent the truth, I swear, so help me God. I've been abused and came to you when they fell me good. This is my truth, I need you to prevail the odds. What do I do? I need Thank help. Thank you, Lord. Please visit blacklovesniffs.com. All right, y'all, so let's get into numbers. You know, we like to be in that Old Testament. So Book of Numbers, chapter 23. Verse 19. Now, it's not what they said. I'm not going off of what you heard in church before. I want to go off of what it says in this Bible. All right. So we we know that when we read, we take out all italics. All right. So let's read from there. Uh, we're at chapter nine in, in Numbers, verse 19. It says, God, not a man that he should lie, colon. So what I mean by that is neither the son of man that he should repent, colon. What I mean by that is, he said, and shall he not do? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So y'all read this verse 19 of Numbers 23. Write it down and write down next to it. God ain't finna play in my face all day. God ain't finna play in your face all day. Okay, but something else is in this verse that I want us to be clear on. We're going to take a little, little, little quick little, little sidebar here, right? God ain't a man that we can take from this verse. So that's one. But God ain't the son of man either, because the verse says, if Elohim, God, right, were the son of man, he'd need to repent. But he's not him. Right. So who is? And I'm going to tell y'all, since we've been taught the, the New Testament our whole lives and barely have ever read this Old Testament that we are finding out is so vital, it says in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Johnny Boy that the Son of Man is Jesus. However, there's an issue with that because there ain't a verse in this Bible that says that. Surprise, it really doesn't. All right. The Son of Man is referred to as third person when Jesus speaks about him. All right. When the disciples speak of him, it's a third person. Nobody says I, the son of man, nothing so far in this Bible that I can find at all. If you can find it, you let me know. If he was indeed Jesus, then why wouldn't Jesus use pronouns like I, me or my to replace uh, this title instead? Right. Remember, 
You guys know this from our beginning studies. It's a Bible staple. Only people that speak in third person are vessels and those who are possessed. All right. The things of God are not confused nor confusing. All right. We talked about that. God is straight up with you. All right. So as of right now, my theory and my belief right now is that the sons of God are angels born in the spirit. Right. The sons of man are angels born in the flesh. Therefore, Mary, Miriam, Mary, Jesus's mama, gave birth to a fleshly angel. That angel spoke through Jesus, turning him into a vessel or a or a possessed person. We don't know yet. Uh, we still we're still reading, but it don't seem good. Right. That angel spoke through him and through his followers. That is the reason why he spoke in third person about the son of man when he spoke about him in the New Testament. I mean, y'all can go to the verses on your own. All right. So that Holy Spirit. All right. Because it's an angel. It is a Holy Spirit, a Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, which is Elohim, a Holy Spirit. Right. So that Holy Spirit possesses them. All right. With its Holy Spirit and causes them to refer to it in its title form as the son of man when they speak about it. Right. That's how it is. Okay. So the sons of God went into the daughters of men. We read that in Genesis chapter six, verse four. And then I believe that those sons of God who went into the daughters of men made the sons of men. All right. Y'all can just take, take notes because uh, y'all know how that is. Stuff hits my spirit. We throw it up in the air. And when it comes back down, it's usually on time in our reading in the future. All right. But since we're talking about Miriam or Mary, right, from our last week's study, and it connects to this week's study, I want to pay attention to how Mary had a visitation by an angel. And his name was Gabriel when she was told she was going to carry a baby. All right. This would have inspired her to prophesy of a baby um, that was going to be born to her, just like the apocryphal book of Jasher explains that Miriam prophesied of a baby, but that baby was going to be born to her parents. So Mary being Elizabeth's cousin, right? And Aaron being Elizabeth's husband and Miriam being Aaron's sister could easily make Miriam Elizabeth's cousin and therefore marry Miriam, right? We also went over that last week. I mean, they, they both have what looks like the same uh, gift, which is to see babies in the future, right? Um, but I just want to bring y'all back to that chapter that we read last week to dig a little deeper. If you go back to Luke chapter one, yes, that is New Testament, but we need it to understand what's going on. All right. And I think that's important. I think that's one of the reasons why we have both uh, testaments so that you can fact check God. What is right? So, um, if you go back to Luke chapter one, verse 29, that we read last episode and, um, we can do that. And then I'm going to just, you know, get into what this message today is really about. All right. And you, you kind of get it, but we're going to, we're going to get into it for real. I'm going to clarify. All right. So in episode 12, we read that Luke chapter one, verse 29 says this. And when she, they're talking about Mary saw she saw when she saw comma so what she did was she saw when she saw 
she was troubled at his, this his is Gabriel. She was troubled at Gabriel's saying. And what she did after that was she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Now, I didn't catch that until I listened back to this uh, podcast, to last week's podcast with you guys. All right. Sometimes I put these podcasts out and, and I have to hear what the message was myself because delivering it is very different than being a, an audience for it. Right. I want to get it all. All right. So let's dig into that. Mary cast in her mind. What does cast mean? Cast means cause light or shadow to appear on a surface. In this case, the surface is told to us as her mind. All right. It says when Mary saw, all right, she saw something. And when she saw it, what did she do? She cast it. All right. That might've been how she saw it. She cast it, but whatever it is, she cast it. She caused light or shadow to hit her mind's surface. All right. And she casts in her mind, what manner this visitation should be. Should is an interesting word, isn't it? Uh, she didn't say will be. She didn't say is. She said what should be happening from this visitation, she could gather by what she casted in her mind. What she cast in her mind. So let's define should. Should is a word that is used to indicate what is probable. All right. So when you indicate that $20 should be enough to get what you need from the store, you make an estimation or you predict or you prophesy, right? And it's based on your experiences in the past buying these items that you would make this prediction. So based on your experience in the past, Mary was able to predict how this visitation should be, perhaps because of the visitation she had in the past, one that was similar to this, one that reminded her of one before. Which one was similar to this? I'm gonna tell y'all, I'm gonna tell y'all. Just, just keep that in your mind, all right? Because I'm telling you that Mary might be Miriam who also had a vision of a baby to come, yes? All right. So back to this $20, the $20 you think should cover the tab, right? That's the kind of should that I believe this verse is using. It's a prediction. It's a prophecy. And so that in itself turns Mary into a prophetess in this moment, right? Because she cast in her mind what this visitation should be. When it all goes through, it should render a result that she cast in her mind. Y'all got that? Now, if she's a prophetess, that's another thing that makes her parallel with Miriam because Exodus chapter 15, verse 20 tells us that Miriam had the title of prophetess, but it never explains how Mir Miriam got that title. We now understand uh, that if they told you Miriam was Mary, even though Mary means Miriam in Greek, but if they flat out told you with open honesty, then you would have to deal with the savior being, being the product of truths that we uh, uh, uncovered through a lot of spiritual Holy Spirit direction, right? 
So you would really then have to deal with the fact that Moses is Jesus's uncle, if this is true. All right. And that Miriam essentially birthed the adversary of God. Right. In, in, in our understanding. Right. Because we're not battling the damned. They're already damned. All right. We're battling our mistake that causes our own damnation, according to Isaiah chapter 10, verse 16 through 23. Right. Because the Lord in that passage, the Lord one cat gets the house of Jacob burnt down into a remnant. And we know that the house of Jacob, the Lord of that house, was given to Jesus in this very same chapter, Luke 1, verse 33. So if Isaiah 16, as Isaiah 10, 16 through 23 tells us that the remnant is the house of Jacob that was burnt up because of the Lord, one cap, that Acts tells us is Jesus, that this Luke Chapter one, verse 33 also says, is Jesus. Well, we can kind of go with the fact that Jesus may just be a rogue angel, not fallen in the ways that we were taught, but rather fallen in the ways that Isaiah chapter 10, verse seven explains. He's the rod, the Assyrian who changes El Shaddai's plan, just like Sarai did. She changed the whole trajectory of the Hebrew children by having her husband sleep with an Egyptian woman and bearing Ishmael, right? So the same plan of El Shaddai or El Shaddai's plan now has been changed. The plan to save the fatherless, the widowed, and the poor was altered by the rod, the Assyrian Jesus, who wanted to, in his own merciful way, he wanted to save everyone instead of just those that he was told to, all right? He wanted to save the good, the bad, the damned, everyone. He wanted everyone to, to have a piece of, of what's to come from God, which no one really knows. That, that heavenly mansion that y'all are banking on, we went over that. You can go back to my podcast on heaven and understand that that's not real. That's somebody's imagination of it. You don't know what's coming to you at the end of it. Not yet anyway, all right? So Jesus, Lord One Cat, seeks to vouch for everyone who glorifies him and calls him king and Lord. That's breaking commandment one through three that says we're not supposed to have any God but the Lord thy God, our Elohim in the earth, El Shaddai, right? And that we're not supposed to, you know, make any, any graven images and, and that's that. That's, that's it. No gods before him, right? And we ain't going to bow down ourselves to that and start worshiping that. All right. So all of that is an issue from commandment one through three when we have decided to do this. And it gets us all burnt up in Isaiah chapter 10. Again, verses 16 through 23. It's the most powerful chapter that I've read thus far in this Bible. All right. Back to Mary. So Mary saw this clearly in her mind. Well, she saw what a birth of a savior should be. That's what it says. All right. But we now know when we read Isaiah, that isn't what happened, is it? What should have happened is not what happened. According to Isaiah, it all goes bad. It all goes wrong. All right. It's all bad, bad, bad. All right. And she saw it clear as day 
and yet it isn't at all what she saw right now. So in Luke chapter one, verse 38, she believed with her heart and confessed with her mouth based on what she had cast in her mind that she would be the servant of the Lord one cap. How many of us have done that, right? Me too, I've done it, right? Coming back from that now. And Isaiah's prophecies start to manifest at that moment too. I mean, they've been, they've been manifesting, but this is an important one, a, an important part of his prophecy. Just as Miriam's prophecy was manifested um, after Egypt or in Egypt, rather, as her baby brother Moses was indeed the one she said would be born and who would lead her people out of Egypt to freedom. All right. So the Bible doesn't tell you that story. But now, you know, from what the Bible does say in Exodus 15, 20, when it tells you that she took out her tambourine and she danced, this apocrypha background information explains why she danced. This woman has so much faith that she had a tambourine during the Exodus. So out of all the possessions that she carried with her or could have took with her, she made sure she had her tambourine ready for her prophecy to come to fruition. Hey, hey, hey. All right. When I tell you Miriam saw it, she saw it. And this is why she danced with her tambourine when it came to be. This is why she led the women. Her joy was so contagious because she knew this was going to happen. And when it happened, she knew she would have been elevated, right? Why wouldn't she be happy? Because as soon as it happens, she's elevated to a prophetess. In that same verse that her prediction was manifested, she became Miriam, the prophetess, right? That's the first time you hear her call that Exodus 15, 20. All right. And the reason for that is because you cannot prove prophecy without the manifestation. All right. This is why you must see it. You, may, you must see it clearly. This is why God has called me to see success clearly. He has plans for my success. But I have to see it clearly. All right. You got to cast it in your mind and make the proper prediction based on the things you have experienced in the past. Miriam made this prediction about birthing the son of man. Based on the, the, the past that she experienced, based on her 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 former prophetic um, uh, moment where she predicted the birth of her brother. Yes. Based on the things she has experienced in the past, based on the things you've experienced in the past and the visions you've had had in the past, um, you'll know that God is not a man, that he should lie, that if he did it, then he will do it again, that it is the same God right now as the same God back then. Right. So this wasn't Mary's first time casting. That's another reason why I believe she's Miriam. That's how she knew what should happen from this kind of feeling, because the last thing she casted in her mind, the last time that she had this prophetic moment, it happened. Right. So you can confidently, confidently put your money on this vision. You can put that 20 that we talked about earlier on it. You can go ahead to the store. You know how much it should cost you when you get there. You already cast in your mind the, the brands that you should buy. And you, you can go ahead and wait for them 
uh, or wait for, for them to ring it up at the register and the vision is fully manifested, right? But here's, but here's another thing to consider. There is a possibility that today's price ain't yesterday's price when you get to that store. Follow me. There's a chance that you didn't cast far enough in your vision or have enough experiences to truly be able to envision and know the price of a choice when your vision is unavailable at the moment. And the choice that you choose in that to replace what your vision is may cost a little more than you expected. And that's gonna leave you with less than you bargained for. Somebody is gonna catch that and be blessed, right? So you might feel like Miriam, I mean Mary, right? (laughs) You might feel like Mary will feel when she realizes that Isaiah chapter 10 verses 16 through 23 is about her baby boy. Her baby boy who was sent to save the fatherless and the widowed and the poor of that chapter 10 Isaiah, but instead took a detour around verse five, right? Definitely by verse 16 through 23. He took the detour and he started to compare the wicked to the righteous around verse eight of that chapter. And then he disobeyed a direct order in verse six and seven, I believe, right? And he's done this before we read because if he is indeed an angel manifested and the one that Abram calls Lord when the three men show up to Abram or Abram to change his name to Abraham, then he may very well be the angel Michael. Because we already know the angel Gabriel is the one that met up with Mary. And we already know that there were two angels that went to, um, to Saddam and Gomorrah. We know that there were two angels that the men of Saddam wanted to have sex with. We know that. We read that already, right? So this means that it's very possible that the angel that Mary birthed is a son of man who in the spirit world, world may be Michael. I don't have that full definition of that yet, but I want, I want you to know that this, this baby that she had disobeyed. All right. And, and it's happened before if he is that same angel, because that same angel got with Lot and let Lot go into the little city instead of straight to the mountain, like he was told to do with El Shaddai. So this, this angel has a habit, has made it a habit of, of tampering with the agenda a little bit of, of inserting his own will a little bit, right? If he hadn't sent Lot to the city, Lot would have went straight to the mountain and that would have, that would have ended his line, right? But by him not going to the mountain first, he got a little whiff of everything else going on in the city. By the time he gets to the mountain, his daughters done probably seen things they ain't supposed to see because who knows what made those two girls create an incestuous bloodline of sin. But they were inspired by something that God tried to prevent them from seeing by sending him to the mountain first, all right? But it was the angels that disobeyed their orders, right? It's the same angel or a angel like this angel that has asked everyone to place their burdens on him. And in doing so, asked that all things be asked in his name. It's the same kind of mentality that, that he can be put in place or as a buffer between 
the, the, the human and El Shaddai. And it's just simply not true. Why? Because God is not a man that he should lie to us. Right? And God did not say that. God did not tell him to do that. It says that in Isaiah. Isaiah 10, chapter uh, chapter 10, sorry, uh, verse 7, I believe it is. Okay? That ain't what he was told to do. All right? So let's just say you went to that store, right? And you're leaving the store now because you didn't cast far enough. And you got much less than you hoped that $20 would pay for, even though in your in your mind, you cast it based on what had happened before, based on your experience. But you got there and the price then went up. And then you get outside and you're feeling really robbed. And there's a poor man outside asking you for a dollar. And it makes you cry because you ain't got the dollar now. And it just don't seem fair that that poor man is here or outside that store. And that this is the one time out of all the times you've cast it, all the times that you've gone to this store, all the times that you've bought a thing, all the faith that you've had, all the times that you've prayed that come true. This is the one time that you ain't get all that you should have, right? Because if you had, you should have had a little extra for the person outside, right? That's the kind of should we're talking about. And when you feel like that, that might be why you think manifesting is witchcraft. But here's what you really should know. There's a trip to a different store with the same $20 and the same prophetic grocery list that you cast in your mind. And for the first time ever, you're going to walk into that different store and there's going to be a flash flood sale. And every item you hope to buy that the $20 should cover, guess what? You're gonna get a discount on it all. And that way you'll get everything you asked for and more. And when you leave that store, you can bless the poor outside from your overflow. Catch it, y'all, catch it. God is, oh, he spoke to me with this one here. And your prophecy, you need to know, was manifested 1,000-fold. That's my, my husband's company, right? And with that company, we sow seeds into the world for God's people, all right? So you see, there's a prophecy that existed. And that prophecy, they, they were the same. Both stores, the exact same vision. And the stores might have even been the exact same distance apart. But you want to know the difference? The difference is in the store that you visit. The difference is in what you choose to invest in y'all and the time that you truly put in to those kinds of investments. I hope y'all are understanding what I'm saying. To see past what you're hoping to get from this and rather uh, like seeking the best investment that would have allowed you to be a blessing to someone else, having that mentality from the start would have allowed you to cast accordingly to an abundance that's the kind of faith you're going to need you're going to be able to you're going to want to to cast and put put it out there based on the faith based on the experiences that you've had with this God based on who you know him to be based on the fact that nothing is impossible or too hard for El Shaddai nothing is uh, uh too hard for God based on what you know after you've read this Bible based on what you've seen in your life Based on your own testimony, you can cast as far as your faith will allow you to. 
right? And I'm going to tell you that, that I'm going to tell you something else. Um, you're not perfect. So there's no way to be sure that what you cast and what you believe in and what you put your faith in is going to happen for sure. All right. But I'm telling you, you can limit the margin of the risk of, of, of disappointment by just doing your due diligence and putting the right amount of effort in educating yourself on what you want as much as possible. Kind of like that vision board I was talking to you about. Get all the details, right? And learn as much as you can and start working towards those specifics that you cast in your mind. And at the end of all of that effort, you can make a stronger, better prediction about how things should go. And then you can prophesy with some authority based on how it's gone before in your faith, right? And finally, I want to give you another thing here. You got to head to the store that that has, or the store that's on the path that aligns with God. You can't get to the store your own way. You got to go the way of God to the store. That way he sees you coming to the store. Because he, if he sees you coming to the store, then you can expect an overflow. You can expect your mind to be blown. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like cast your mind as far as you can fathom it to the edge of your imagination so that God can exceedingly abundant and abundantly bless you past what you can even imagine and let your mind be blown by him. Put all the details in it. Do all the work. How many bathrooms in your forever home? What you're going to say to Molly, to Yay, to J-Mac in that Bible study that they let you have. What, what you're going to wear to that Grammy red carpet moment, to that Stella Awards red carpet moment. And then what you're going to say when they pass you what they think is a trophy for you. When it's really, you know what you came to do. You know it's for God. How, how will they react when you're true to this? When you, when you know when you get there, you won't change. You won't flip the coin. You won't make it about you. You won't be like the rod and the Assyrian and choose yourself over God. You're not going to alter the pathway. When you fully commit to God being able to use you for whatever he would like in the tangible world, when he ascends you and puts you into different heights and says, come, 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 let me have Joe do this for me. Let me have Pernell do this for me. Let me have legend do this for me. Let me have serenity do this for me. Because I know when they get there, glory to God, I will get the glory. I'm their God. Right? So there's no, not too far I can go in my mind. There's, there's no shame in, in what I put out there for my tangible, personal definitions of success. God wants me to get my level of success and his. Right? I know he does. But I don't know what's best for me. So my level for success is not even close to what he wants for me. But I am still casting in my mind with the clarity of images that I've found. And, and, and I know from, from the experience I had, I'm prophesying based on my relationship with Elohim, the creator of the heaven, earth, the sea, and all that in them. I'm, I'm prophesying based on my relationship with God and the experiences I already have had. I already know from my testimony. Right. That it is not only possible that I can get all the things that I specify with this assignment, 
that it is not only probable, but that it actually should happen based on the work that I'm putting in, but based on the work that I put in before, knowing that that work is not even comparable to the work that I'm putting in now. And if he had blessed me then, I told y'all, Rain had a book. Rain has done music with some of your favorite artists. Rain has had deals on the table. I've opened for some of the most uh, uh, comparable musicians, incomparable musicians. I've seen some things that millions of people will never see in their career. Right? And that was not even for God. I wasn't even going as hard. My heart wasn't even as sewn into it as it was. So I'm basing this, my, I'm basing my, what I cast on what I know, on what I've already experienced. And I know that he's going to, he can do it. It's, it's exceeding anything that I put out there, anything that my mind can imagine. I know that because he did it before. Same God right now, same God back then. I'm obedient. And I'm praying that my vision aligns with God's plans for me. That's the difference now. And I got my list and I got my $20 investment. And I'm heading to that store with a prophecy already spoken over my life. And when I get there and I declare that what's on my list that I've created, it will be part of my, my testimonial. My $20 was gonna, is going to walk in that store and there'll be a store-wide clearance on my blessings. And I plan to share that overflow with all that God allows me to do for his glory. Because I know, I know my heart and I know in my heart that even, even now, what he does for me is going to directly impact some of you. Why do I say that? Because that is part of what being successful means to me. As a woman of God, I want the overflow to bless you guys. I've already prayed for you guys. I've already prayed that my listeners be blessed by me. I already prayed that I could have a, 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 a meaningful impact on your lives. That's part of my success story. So not only do I, I, I cast it, I see it. That's exactly what should have. I believe that in my faith. Just like Mary, I believe that in my faith. And as long as my path to the store is the path God gives me, I don't see a reason why I won't walk into a worldwide clearance on your blessings and be able to see you get way more out of this podcast than I ever could have imagined. But if I take my own way, perhaps like Mary might have done, then I might walk into the store and I might leave with less than I bargained for when it comes to y'all. And that's why I'm so dedicated and committed to this. And that's why I wanted to really be obedient and give you guys this message, right? Because God is setting up to bless me. I decree and I declare that like a prophecy. And this podcast is evidence of Lord El Shaddai leading my life right now in these seconds. You are a witness to this. You and I await the manifestation. And I got my tambourine like Miriam. Because when it happens, I'm prepared for the praise I casted in my mind already. All right. If there's nothing I possess, I possess something to praise him with at the end. Whether it be my hands, whether it be my feet, whether it be my voice, whether it be my family, whatever it is, I'm going to praise him when I get there. When I get to the end of my casted vision. Mm. All right. And the few possessions that we keep for ourselves 
when we leave our places of bondage, whether it be physically, mentally, professionally, emotionally, and of course, spiritually, when we leave those places, I leave everything behind except for what I need to praise him with when I get to freedom. That's what this is about. So I thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. It's okay to prophesy, right? Let it manifest. I love you, but God loves you way more than me. Um, I pray that if he wants you to cast, to cast a vision in your mind, um, and, um, and wants you to do the assignment that I've been assigned, if that's resonating in your spirit right now, I pray that you remember to prepare it with intentions that God would be pleased with so that he can help you manifest that so that he can blow your mind. Stay on the path of God when you, when you prophesy these things to yourself, when you cast them, but it has to be, you have to be called to ask to do that for yourself. When you are, um, you create that list, you, you create that, that vision so you can walk towards it and remember, pray, cause it's really hard to be thrown off course and start to just covet the things of the world. We don't want it for material gain. We don't want it for selfish gain. We want it to bless others. We want to be able to leave the store and have overflow for the poor. Yes. All right. I really hope that this message was as clear as possible. I'll see you next time um, where we're going to um, stick a bookmark yet again into Genesis 19, where we're le leaving off chronologically because I feel in my spirit the need to begin Isaiah. Um, he is the most notable prophet of El Shaddai. And I think that's why I had to give you this message first um, so that you understand why we do that leap. All right. I'll see you guys then. Until then, we give God all the glory, all the honor and all the praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Way. El Shaddai, I come to you and I just want to say thank you. I thank you for the listener right now. I didn't have a chance to pray before um, or I didn't remember, I should say. Let me be more honest about it. I didn't remember to pray before this podcast, but I want to make sure that I do so now. And I just pray that whatever this uh, listener is, um, is feeling, that it comes from you right now. I pray that, um, that you are with me and that you walked with me through this podcast to help this listener fully understand and get what they need. Oh God, I pray that you bless them, that you, that you, oh, that you pour out onto their lives and give them an assignment. Oh God, that makes them excited to get up in the, in the morning and work for you and work for God and to do what God has asked them to do and, not, and to never to deviate from that, but do it in confidence, do it with faith based on the fact that he's brought them through so much that you have brought them through so much that they have a testimony and that you have not changed, that you are unfailing and you are unwavering in your, in your, um, capability. And so we just thank you, Elohim, El Shaddai. We thank you. And I'm personally just incredibly blown away and humbled. This, this one was for me. This one, this one was for me. It touched my spirit. It touched my soul. And I'm so grateful, God, that I can count on you, that I could depend on you and that you give me the audacity to proclaim things over my life and for the life of my family that are in abundance, that are in soft living, that are, that are prepping um, my grandchildren even now. I'm, I'm just, I'm blown away. And I just want to tell you, I love you. And I know that this listener loves you too because they continue to return every week to get the truth, no matter how difficult. Please make it uh, easy for them uh, to bear um, in the world of such, of such deception. I love them, God, but I know you love them way more than me. I love you. And I love you. I know you love me way more than I can, I can ever imagine. And, um, 
I'm grateful. Bless them. Bless my house. Bless my family. Um, bless, bless you, God. Bless you. And uh, we love you. We love you so much. Thank you, El Shaddai. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Way. The book of Joe is but a portion of a family ministry called the Black Love Smiths. To follow the Black Love Smiths, you can do so at Black Love Smiths on Instagram or Facebook. To get into contact with Joe, please email bookofjoe at gmail.com. God bless you.